Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. And now, Gym Guy and Wonder Woman. Welcome to the staff room with Che and Pav. Thanks for joining us today for our 11th episode of season one. And today we are going to be talking to you about technology in the classroom, uh, what kinds we have in our classroom and how we use it in our programs. Uh, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, but first, I would like to introduce my partner, uh, Che, and he's sitting right next to me. Che, why don't you introduce yourself? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But it right now is this tab room's time. Let's get this party started. Let's roll. We are absolutely here to talk about tech and the classroom, episode 11, and the Cheney and Wander show is ready to go, and I am pumped, and let's get it on. That's right. And today we are featuring our third segment of the three enlightened minutes uh, segment that we have started featuring in our episodes, which has been a great hit. Fantastic. We love all of the enthusiasm that we've been getting from all of our connections that we've made with people on Twitter. Today we are featuring Adam Katowski, and he is the developer of the Extraordinary Me program. So we will talk about that a little bit later on in our episode. But today, what we'd like to do is we'd like to get started about talking about technology. And technology is something that teachers all love to have in their classroom. Maybe some of them don't, but I think for the majority of teachers, they like having the technology in the room. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the different kinds that we have access to here at school, maybe what kinds we'd like to see in the classroom and uh, how we use that technology and what are the best ways to use it in our room. Agreed. I love tech. I think you hit on everyone loves tech. Maybe they love it for different reasons. What are they getting out of their tech? And I think that's one thing we want to talk about today. Where do I want to end up with the episode? I want to tell you that what I want is a middle school English teacher. I am the gym guy, but I'm not always a gym guy. In fact, I'm actually very seldom a gym guy in comparison to how often I teach English. And I love tech in my language program. So when I'm setting up my class, I'm going to let you know. This is where I want to go at the end of the episode. I want to prove the point that I want a classroom. We talked about last week. Say 25, 26 students. In my five-day cycle, I really want access to my Chromebooks maybe twice in that cycle. Two half days. I'll take it Tuesday morning. I'll take it Thursday morning. And for part of my class design, I want each and every class in that middle school to have five or six iPads at their disposal so that the classes can use them when they want, how they want, and they're not limited to schedules and timetables and working with other teachers to figure it out. My Chromebooks, I got that. In my class, my school model, I'm going to share those. I'm going to work those out. And in my class program, I'm going to use them strategically and for specific points. But then I want free reign, free access to my iPads because I want to be able to jump in and use them when I want, how they want. Teaching is fluid. And my technology, when it's scheduled and it's regulated, I have to, I'm not as fluid. But if I have access to some of my device and my technology when I want, how I want, makes it much more ability to teach in the groove, in the flow. If something comes up, if something changes right away, I can tap into it. 
So for me, where do I want to get to? Classroom. Chromebooks, twice in that cycle, in that five-day cycle to build into my schedule. But I also want flexibility and accessibility to five or six iPads in my classroom so I have flow. Back to you, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what I do want to mention is something that's really great with your program you, is you've spent a lot of time over the past years honing it and developing it and perfecting it. And I know that you evolve your program as you go uh, every year, but it's a very well-developed language program, English program, and, and it's something to definitely aspire to. Myself, I've moved around quite a bit in my, in my teaching. Uh, I have not always taught middle school. Um, I mean, I've taught grade six for a long period of time. I'm now moving into grade seven and eight and teaching a lot more of that. I'm teaching a lot more science. I'm teaching a lot more math than I was um, in previous years. My use of technology has evolved a lot over the past few years. And a lot of that has to do with access to the technology that we have in the school. Um, and some of that has to do a lot with new tech that's uh, that's coming out, new ways to use technology. So, you know, we talk, we talk about, you've talked about iPads and Chromebooks, and we have iPads and Chromebooks as two um, major resources that we have in our school. We also have access to Microsoft tablets, um, and we also have access to laptops in the class, in the school. Um, desktop computers, PCs, they're, they're sort of a dying breed. They're becoming a lot more obsolete, and so we're not really replacing them. We're going a lot more with the mobile technology um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. When you say obsolete, I started thinking, oh, did we just talk about me and I missed it? <laughs> In this case, we're not talking about obsolete 45-year-olds. Uh, you're certainly not obsolete. But um, no, I'm talking about desktop computers. Oh. They're just... I have one somewhere. I think yeah, it's, you know, it's underneath my pile of dictionaries. Same, yeah. <laughs> the obsolete corner. <laughs> That's right. The obsolete corner is dictionaries, desktop, and Mr. Cheney. <laughs> Mr. Cheney. That's where your desk is. Um, but no, we've got tons of different te technologies. We've got a few smart boards, Promethean boards in the, in the school. Um, the problem with some of this technology is, is the access. And we don't always have... We don't always have access to everything all the time. So Che and I, both as middle school teachers, we have access to the iPads uh, consistently, and we have access to Chromebooks, which I dig. I think that Chromebooks are great. They're a cheap alternative to laptops. Um, they they don't have as much lasting power, staying power, but you know they offer a lot of functionality in terms of extensions that you can add on to them and um, a lot of the stuff that comes with them everything is cloud based you don't have to worry about hard drive students can log in and out all the time and you don't have to worry about those issues um and then of course the google programs that we have in there the extensions have been huge i think in terms of education and i know a lot of school boards a lot of districts are using uh, Google Docs, Google Drive, Google Classroom, and we'll talk a little bit more about these in a little bit. But these are some of the things that we have access to, and of course the projectors in the classroom so that we can de deliver our lessons through those um, have been very handy. Document cameras are a big thing as well. But this is what we've got, and this is what we've got access to at our school in, in the middle school years. So, Che, I'm going to throw it back to you. You can talk a little bit about maybe what Throw it to doing. me. I'm open. I'm open. I'm there open. Hit me. Hit me. This is a gym reference. I love that you talk about access. And access, 
is become more and more demand as more and more people get comfortable with technology and as our school get more technology. If I think of me in my long path, and I've always been tech oriented, even from uh, my inception or as tech started to to become a thing. I remember I almost considered myself an innovator earlier on because I was teaching back before iPads and Chromebooks were things and before our school really tapped into it. And access was not a barrier because I had access to anything and everything I could get my hands on because no one was using it. So access is so key, but using it is what I want to tap on or add on to. How are we using our tech? Because ultimately, one thing that I really want to promote is I still want teachers developing their own lessons and their own ideas and the tech supports something they want to do in the classroom, either on a small scale or a big scale. I think with tech and all these web and online programs is that we can use tech as just a filler and a big time filler and a big tough to get access because everyone wants a computer or a Chromebook to run a math program or an English program that may be beneficial, but to my core, I want teachers developing their own lessons, their own plans, and the technology taps into a vision they had rather than tech being filler. I don't like tech as filler, even if the program is really good. But math, systematic, part 7.3, where every kid logs on and the teacher can sit back and monitor, I know it has a place, but I think it gets overwhelmed, and that really hurts access to tech. So I'm a firm believer that I want teachers to drive instruction and use tech to facilitate great lessons. Yeah, I just want to inter, inter, interject there for a second. I think what you're talking about is uh, using technology as a substitute or as substitution in terms of the SAMR model. And, and you know, techno it's, it's a, a way to describe the different degrees of classroom technology use. And so many of you who are really into the, the tech side of things know about what the SAMR model might be. But yeah, oftentimes when people are dabbling with tech for the first time or they're new to technology, they're using it just to substitute what they've already been doing in the classroom. So, you know, you're using it for, you know, typing up documents or creating slide presentations instead of using bristle boards and, you know, trifolding boards and stuff like that. So it's an entry point. There's, there's a place for it, as you said, you know, it's not something that you should be using to replace your education program in your, in your classroom, but it's supplementary and it's, there's nothing really wrong with using it in a substitution way. And it's a, as I mentioned, it's a great way to enter using technology, but we want your, we want the program to evolve from there. And so there's lots of places where you can take it as well going forward. So, you know, the use of uh, Google Classroom, I, I use Google Classroom. I know many teachers do uh, to, you know, keep in touch with students when they go home. But then again, you know, you have the 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 issue with the equitable access. Not every student when they leave from school is getting access to a computer when they get home. And so can I equitably be posting things on Google Classroom with the expectation that students are going to have it completed when they go home and have it done for the next day? No, of course not. I can't have that expectation. But I use it as a supplementary tool and I make sure that if I am going to be putting something on Google Classroom, that when they're at school, they have complete access to it. You talked about something so important there. I got on my own nose here, equity. And the advancement of technology was intended to bridge the gap, but it actually enhances the gap. For the thing you talked about, one, access to technology. If I have students that don't have access to technology at home and my program is technology dependent, the gap 
widens. But, but the research even goes beyond that. It talks about how students use technology and students that have access to technology already as sort of commonplace, they maximize it far better than students that don't. So even if you bridge the equity gap with tech by providing the tech, the tech still not used the same way. Students that have normalized having tech use it at a far more efficient rate. So tech is actually doesn't bridge the gap, it widens that gap. And it leads to my next point that you were talking about is that when students are just sitting on tech all day or web programs all day, there's two things I want to mention. Don't mistake activity for achievement and don't assume because your students engage, they're learning. It's part of the learning process, but it's a step to learning. So often we get trapped with they're on their iPads or they're on their Chromebook, or they're on their computer and they're quiet that they're active and they're engaged. And we just make the assumption that that kid's learning. That kid ain't learning until you turn that into something. So I don't like to see kids just hovering on tech all the time. I like it flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop. If I'm the teacher and I'm driving my lesson, I'm driving my instruction, the technology comes in for like a mini lesson. It's part of that quick, smooth flow transition. You come in, check this for a second. Take your iPad, look up that for a second. Take your Chromebook, record this for a second. Let's build. It's constantly in and out, in and out, in and out. Use, not use, use, not use. But I don't want to see kids just hovering around on tech all day long with the assumptions they're quiet and they're engaged that somehow they're learning. Those That is fallacy. Don't mistake activity for achievement and don't assume that an engaged kid is a learning kid. If you've got them active and you've got them engaged, 100% great. Now use that to get the learning done. It's it's creating, um, it's authenticity, right? You have to create authenticity from your, from your lesson plans. Um, the more authentic they will be, the more they will learn from it. And they will, on top of that, also be engaged. So, you know, it, it, you're entirely correct when you say that, um, you know, engagement does not equal learning. And you will, as soon as you have technology in the classroom, you definitely will have a quieter class. They will be far more um, engaged with what they're doing that's on the screen at the moment. It's what they're used to. They're used to looking at screens all day long and they get pulled in very easily to those screens. And so, yes, somebody walks into your room and they've got you've got 28 Chromebooks sitting in front of students in the classroom and they're all staring at the screens intently. You know, somebody's going to be like, OK, there's a lot of good learning happening here. That's not necessarily true. But the way that you do use the technology, and I know you do this really well, and I know I do this really well in my classroom, is creating lessons, creating activities where students have to use the technology as a resource to get their lesson completed. And so we are using authentic tasks to really tap into the student learning tap into what they know how to do. And the device that they have in front of them is there as a resource that they will use to make their work better. Do you need the technology for this lesson? May not necessarily have to use it to, to have a great outcome. Will it help? Absolutely, it'll help. It'll definitely provide, you know, 21st century resources for them to be able to tap into to make their work go above and beyond what they are able to produce. It's wonderful. You know, we haven't talked about any anecdotal stories, anything specific, but it's coming. But I think it's it coming. should come right after our next installment of three enlightened minutes. So we're going to come back in a moment. We want to hear from Coach Adam here right now, sharing his experiences, his story on our segment, three enlightened minutes. Take it away, Adam. 
Hi, my name is Coach Adam, and these are my three enlightened minutes. Hi, this is Coach Adam, Adam Katowski. I'm a mentor and coach who has lived in the Chicagoland area for the past 44 years. Description of my program is called the Extraordinary Me Program. The Extraordinary Me Program was actually developed 16 years ago, and I often say I've been an intern in my own program for the past 16 years. The program is based on three pillars. Number one, identity. Who are you? You are extraordinary. Regardless of anything you've been conditioned to believe, regardless of the beliefs you've inherited from other people, you are extraordinary. Number two, it's based on your because, your mission in life. Why are you here? Something you were born with, internal. We need to know what that is so we can help you thrive and fulfill your mission in life. The third thing is beliefs. Two types of belief that are part of your mission and identity. Number one, they limit you. Or number two, they support you. If they limit you, we need to update those so they're supportive. And if they're supportive, we need to strengthen those so that you can fulfill your mission and your identity through life. Why is this important? It's a really critical time in history and in our lives where right now how we communicate internally with ourselves and how we communicate with others can either promote them to who they can be or can limit and frustrate them in life. So right now, we really need to discover how extraordinary we are so that we can pull out the best resources we have in life, and on top of that, pull the best resources out of everybody else that we teach, coach, manage, lead, interact with family right now. How did this come about? What inspired me for this? Really simply, um, I was ADD, ADHD, and in that time, back in history, they didn't have the programs and educational systems that was able to handle that. So rather than turning to to anyone else for answers, I really went into self-discovery mode, and I was challenged quite a bit with um, anxiety and depressive thinking along with the ADD and ADHD. I was able to really transform that once I knew I was extraordinary. I went to my identity. Then I discovered my mission, my because in life. And I enhanced my belief system so that I could be who I came here to be. And in discovering that, I realized how many other people are out there that need help too. And that's when I started to mentor and coach. I worked with student athletes on how to focus and handle their emotions, especially when it got very competitive. And then it branched off into working with students and working with parents and teachers and coaches on how to interact and handle very similar situations when they arose. Uh, what's next for me is we do have the book coming out. It's We're about 30 days out. That's going to be available through my website, coachadam34.com. I'm very excited. This is the manual type book. It's the foundation of what we're looking to do uh, with more programs in the future. Uh, this is our foundational build. So we're very excited about this. Now back to you, Che and Pav. And thank you so much, Coach Adam, Adam Katowski, a developer of the Extraordinary Me program, uh, deals a lot with mentorship and he's got a new book coming out. So we got to check that out. Uh, all of his contact information will be posted in the description of this episode. So please make sure you check that out and check out his info as well. All right. Fantastic. I love talking about those things and hearing about those things. Makes me want to get my daughters involved in that with some of that really important stuff he was talking about in terms of guidance and mentorship and finding your extraordinary. Um, We came and we said we want to talk about some examples. We did our little spiel on technology and what we wanted and how we wanted in the class. But how does this actually look? If it does not support with an anecdotal story, it's just like being in a staff meeting. (laughs) 
So we got a Chanicdote coming up. Oh, and will you let me lead? Oh, yeah, yeah. You go ahead. This is fantastic. We're staying yeah. organized. That's right. I got a highlight of a couple of things where I've used technology to support, supplement, and create something that I thought was of great worth. Uh, first one I want to talk about is this concept of genius hour. And genius hour is about student-driven education, student voice. And in the concept, it's not my original concept, and I wish I could source exactly where I found it, but I found it in that wonderful world called the Twitterverse one day, where you read an article and you say, I love this, and then you implement it the next day. And so in genius hour, you give students an hour to research. Perfect use of our Chromebooks. An hour to search. You pick the topic. If you're an educator and you're not totally comfortable with that, you can put themes that you want to talk about. But my greatest successes have been, students, you have an hour with this Chromebook. Look stuff up. Research stuff. And you, at some point, are going to give this back to me. You're going to teach me somehow. And each time, it's going to elevate how you give back that information. So, Kids research, and you'll be amazed at what they're into and what they're looking. But with their student voice and student ownership, they really dive deep into a topic. And then when the hour's up, I find a way for them to teach me what they've learned. And you can use tech again. You can ask them to make a video or a public service announcement, or they can take a picture to represent. But you can also go back to more traditional style ideas. You can have even the basic, the kid writes a paragraph. That's a good starting point, actually. And then you build. Then the kid makes a brochure. Then the kid goes and uses tech to make, like I said, a public service announcement. And so I've used the tech to facilitate a really good concept. Genius hour, student voice. They use the tech, they research, they come back. I can continue to use tech in a different form to demonstrate that learning, but I can go back to other ideas, making posters, making brochures, even written responses. And the end product that's been great, in fact, this is how we came about this podcast, is that Genius Hour expanded so far that our kids did podcasts based on their Genius Hour. And so the core of the lesson was supplemented with technology. Pav, do you have one before I jump into my second one? Because I'm ready to just keep oh, going at this uh, let point. Me, let me break up these stories by oh, just talking boy, about... Oh, you just interrupted the gym guy's flow. <laughs> I might not be able to get the rhythm back. I'll give it back to you. Don't worry. <laughs> so one of the areas that I've been using uh, more technology the last little while is, is an area that I haven't entirely been comfortable with, um, you know, growing up or even through education as well. And that area is coding. I am not a coder. I am not a programmer. I did one grade 10 course on programming in high school and I got through it, but I just don't have, you know, the ability to really do a great job with as a programmer. But, um, but a lot of my kids are really into this, like my students. So uh, I did bring as, as the science and the math teacher, I felt that it was my duty to bring some coding and programming into the school, especially because I know that there are several students in the school that are avid programmers. And so, um, you know, I've brought the coding in, we've been learning how to use Scratch and the, the uh, uh, drag and drop sort of style of coding, block coding. And so my students have been doing a great job of using this to integrate different technologies into the classroom. So we've, we've brought in Makey Makeys and, you know, we don't do like full lessons on micro bits or Makey Makeys, but we use these tools to enhance our 
projects that we're working on in class. So I've had students, you know, design video games using Makey Makeys. I've had students um, develop board games that are related to their projects. So I had a student last year who created a model, a 3D model of a cell, but they created like a like an operation game. So you have to go in and grab the different organelles from the cell and without touching the sides. And we turned it into a game. And then we learn about, you know, the cell that way. And so it's been a really, really great way to integrate technology and in, in a way that I haven't been entirely comfortable. I'm not a pro with this stuff, but I'm doing what I can. So for me, it's an entry point into doing something a little bit different with technology. And I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to do that. And the students have had a great way to showcase what they've been doing with the technology through something that they know how to do better than I do, which has been fantastic. Sounds like you dominated. Sounds like your students dominated. And that's fantastic. You give me one more shot of telling an anecdotal story of how I use tech to supplement great learning and a great lesson. Go for it. We've heard of epic rap battles. If you haven't, shame upon you. <laughs> but one year I decided I was going to create epic rap battles of black history. And so the students were primed that they were going to make take two historical characters that were going to rap back and forth giving the history of their cause and what they were fighting for and who was going to win the rap battle. We used our access to technology, computers, and Chromebooks to research and get well-versed because great rap and great poetry, as much as the rap and the poetry has got to be great, it's only great if you are very knowledgeable in your topic. So we use the tech in terms of research abilities to really build a lot of information. Then we worked and we did a lot of writing to make sure our rap and our poetry was going to be intertwined and sound great. It was fantastic. And then we got to the creative part, taking out our iPads, using a green screen. We were going to have these two characters get into costume and dramatize and act out their two characters going at each other. And I had so many great ones. And the one that really stands out, which I still have on YouTube, perhaps I'll post it to the link here, was Rosa Parks versus Harriet Tubman in an epic rap battle of black history and it was phenomenal and it ended up being recorded and produced and going so great and in the long run they got noticed by the epic rap battle people that commented on their video their video was pristine and polished and we used green screen technology and we we're using our ipads and we were recording and we were using mics and we started by using our chromebooks to research but the core of the lesson was writing and research and drama, writing, research, drama, and the tech facilitated all those things. The tech gave us the knowledge and access to information to allow us to write in a much more meaningful and poignant way. And then our iPads and our video and our mics and our green screens allowed us to demonstrate that great learning in a fun and creative way. And the end result was magnificent, but the tech hadn't been the star, the content, the lesson had been the star. That's so important that you said that, that the tech is not the star. The tech should not be the star when it comes to the student learning. The students need to be the star and they're using the technology to assist them to get there. So I think that's a great point for us to finish up on. Wrap us up, Pav, wrap right. us up. So um, just to recap, you know, we've got certain amounts of technology in our classroom. We want to make sure that we're using that technology as equitably as possible in our classroom and, uh, you know, using it as a resource to enhance what we're already doing in our class, because I know that we're all doing amazing things. So do we always need it? 
in order to survive? No, absolutely not. We shouldn't need it to survive, but we should have access to some technology so that students are able to keep up with what what they're expected to do when they're when they're at a school. So um, we do we do try our best to do that. So um, that's our episode for today. Another great episode, episode eleven in the book. Thanks to Adam, our three enlightened minutes were great. Loving talking about technology. Got me thinking about maybe doing another rap battle. I haven't done one in a few years, but let's give it a go. But let's wrap this thing up. Remember to inspire, don't don't require, require, and stay a humble servant. servant. listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Jay and Pav. Written, performed, and produced by Jay Cheney and Pav Wander in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Jay and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Jay and Pav next week because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.